I always believed in the truth and believed I understood truth better than most. However, as I began diligently seeking God, I learned there was another kind of truth I knew very little about. We are going to discuss biblical and spiritual truth relating to God. This truth we cannot see or hear, but we can learn to sense through experience. Until we experience it, we may not understand it, and to understand it can take much experience. 1 Corinthians 14.20 Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Let's look at a definition of truth. Truth is defined by Wikipedia as the property of being in accord with fact or reality. I'd like to quickly point out in this definition the phrase being in accord. This means to be in agreement with truth. It's one thing to learn the truth and it's an entirely another thing to accept it into our hearts and minds and be changed by it. That's faith. We are to be in accord with God's truth. Before I read the Bible or decided to go to church, I found God. I experienced God without the Bible and without church. I was told to pray and to put away undesirable character. I didn't know how to pray or really much at all about God. I heard God described as good, orderly direction. That made sense. Later in the Bible, I discovered that God is literally described as good, so it was a perfect fit. In order to deal with undesirable character and follow good orderly direction, I was told to examine it daily and throughout each day. To grow godly good, I needed it to be my daily goal and to take appropriate action. This process was sloppy and full of error. But as long as I kept refocusing and recommitting my mind to the task, I was able to continue to grow and mature spiritually. Here are some questions to think about and discuss with each other. Are we in agreement with God and the Bible? Are we growing in agreement with how the Bible says to live with God? Are we actively improving in this truth? Are we desiring to grow in agreement with God's ways and character? Are we willing? I've been practicing this for the past 30 years, and I've learned many ways that I can still fall into deceptive traps. I have been focused intensely upon understanding the reasons why we all deny truth and avoid reality that is part of uncomfortable positive change. It's important to understand that our truth, our reality, is developed through our perception of the world we are experiencing. One thing that is easy to learn is that we all suffer from misperceiving reality. If we didn't have misperceptions, magicians, advertisers, and con artists would be out of jobs. But they are not. In fact, they are in high demand. I encourage you to watch this series, Brain Games, and you can learn how our minds are trained to draw very quick conclusions about many things and to trust those conclusions completely without question. We trust these quick assumptions and rarely test them. We blindly follow the flow of our instincts and quick judgments. Even those of us who are thorough at checking ourselves and questioning ourselves there is still much 
we do not see or understand about our misperceptions. I want to comment briefly on the fact that we all judge. We judge reality all the time. There is unfortunately a bad vibe with the word judge, at least in the United States. We judge what is large, small, loud, quiet, hot, cold, fast, slow, annoying, or comforting. We judge everything. We even judge the use of the word judge. This is a fact. 2 Peter 2.2 Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. When I was about 15 years old, I was walking along a very populated teenage hangout. I came by another teenager, a little bit older than me, who had a Bible and was trying to share its message. I remember listening to him and coming to the conclusion he was talking about something he had heard or read about, but was not coming across with faith and understanding. I realized he didn't really know what he was talking about, and was just more like a puppet for the adults standing in the background. At least that was my viewpoint. Right here, I sense I need to get clear about the word faith. When I use the word faith, I use it thinking of biblical characters like Paul, Noah, Joseph, and Abraham. I did not see this kind of faith with this kid. In my experience growing up, there were people who could see, and then there were fools. I was schooled in the acts of conning people through being conned. I lied, exploited, and deceived others on a regular basis for many years growing up. Perhaps this lifestyle was the catalyst to my questioning everything and having distrust in other people. You see, when I was listening to this kid trying to preach, he looked like a bad actor trying to perform a monologue. I felt no conviction in what he was saying. I learned how to read people who just go through motions like puppets without discernment or real understanding. Rookie salespeople do this all the time following scripts. I know this because I was a rookie salesperson following a script at one time. I found that the people easiest to con are the ones who don't question things. They take things at face value. I believe God wants us to examine things carefully and with depth for real truth. I believe God wants us to know through experience what we are talking about. To grow in truth, we must improve our discernment abilities. We are limited to our own perspective. We can only know information about the world we seek to understand and can only learn by the skill set we have developed. Building skill sets takes investment and commitment. I did another podcast series on this called Spiritual Growth Formula. The more we can be convinced that we misperceive things on a regular basis, the more we can desire to exercise discernment and testing. Being a disciple is like being a student, and students require some testing. Students need clarification. Students need to collaborate upon ideas. If our perception isn't checked, we can easily come to the wrong ideas. I have been married now for 20 years. I saw a meme with a man that said, I don't always lose things, but when I do, my wife moved it. It actually took me years to realize I was thinking this way, and she thought the same way. It took many proven misperceptions before I would start questioning myself 
that maybe I misplaced it, and I'm a deep thinker pursuing truth. What does that say about others who rarely question themselves? We all have blind spots. Literally, we all have visual blind spots. We are created with them. And when we are told we have blind spots, this new information does not fit with our understanding, and we can seek to deny it. Our minds say it's not true without carefully examining for truth. Go ahead and do a search online about visual blind spots. It is absolutely normal for our minds to seek ways to defend how we are right, how our beliefs are right. Sometimes this can deny the truth. If we carefully and thoroughly evaluate the science upon this, then we can see that we deny truth on a regular basis. And if you disagree with this fact, you may be an example of it. Would you really think you perceive everything perfectly as it actually is all day long? Of course not. That would just be blind arrogance. Please read Matthew 23. No one is perfect and we all sin. Yet our minds trick us to think we are right when many times we are wrong. 1 John 1.10 If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I want to talk a little bit about slowing down and how that is important. There is a big difference between glancing, looking, and studying. Think about or discuss with others what these differences are. How are these differences impacted by desire, time, and effort? God's truth and our being in accordance with it can set us free. This means we are studying truth. We are explorers of truth trying to uncover truth about ourselves. Yes, ourselves. We can increase awareness about our thinking behind our choices. Since our choices respond to our beliefs, they reveal our faith. To make changes in our actions, we will need to make changes in our choices. And to make changes in our choices means we will need to create new options. We need new ideas. We need to learn more spiritual truth to participate in it. My personality was originally developed with anxiety. I was restless and impatient. I would often jump into doing things before thinking much about what I was doing. I did not read instructions until I absolutely had to. This personality was based upon my choices. Learning is a choice and new action is a choice. We can develop new habits that can change our personality. As I increased my meditation and prayers to help me grow in God's ways, I became more attentive about them throughout each day and practiced them. Over much time, I gradually became a different person, more aligned with God's character. My personality changed through this process and continues to grow and change today. Those who are closest to us will be able to testify to our faith because they hear it in our words and see it in our actions. The beginning part of the journey is to slow down and ponder God's ways. I mean, think about that. If we're going to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, like the great commandment commands us to do, then we need to slow down and really take God into our inward being. We must bring into our minds God's goodness and think how we can grow in it. 
This is not a weekly event. Changing habits is something that needs to be consistent and daily over a long period of time. And being with God is not a habit, but listening to God and coming to God for direction can be perhaps the best habit. It's what all the good biblical characters did. If we want to grow in God's truth, we must be in it each day seeking to understand, experience, and sense it. I think it's important to touch on the habit of compartmentalization. I remember in school being taught how to differentiate between fact and opinion. I watched how other students would get it right in class, but then outside of class, they would follow different rules. This is compartmentalization learning. We learn to practice one way of thinking and responding in one setting and another way in another setting. We believe in school or class we need to obey certain rules of thought, manners, writing, and speech. Then in other settings we follow a different set of standards and practices. We let situations define how to behave instead of one set of principles. The right or true way to act can be dependent upon what we believe to be important. God wants us to trust in God's ways and character more than fitting in with the group, class, or teacher. Jesus and the disciples demonstrated and discussed this point. Sometimes the truth can be uncomfortable. Truth that produces change is rarely comfortable. You ever feel convicted that you need to change? This sense is an important spiritual truth, but it's usually uncomfortable. I did a concordance study in the Bible on the word shame and found that shame is something that teaches us. I found it to be a sensation that derives from being outside of God's goodness. It can be similar to guilt, where I feel like I'm wrong, and I found the Bible to describe it as a sensation like a guide. There are others who think that shame is to believe that we're wrong, but I think that that falls more into the lines of self-condemnation, a thinking attitude. I believe shame is to help us discern between what's evil and good and to move in the direction of correction. Now, if my faith was in other people, then I could feel shame for not complying to the other people's expectations. As Jesus talked about and demonstrated, I must have my faith primarily in God. I am not to lean more towards pleasing other people than fulfilling God's purposes and ways and righteousness. Yet because of self-deception, I still need other people and to hear what they think about what I'm doing and my thoughts. I need to test my faith. I seek to be around others who will speak boldly and honestly, and also who are willing to listen to such bold truth. This kind of truth can be very uncomfortable. We ought to fear God, not the discomfort of change. As I learned the practice of pausing and thinking deep about truth in the Bible, I had to face a lot of things about myself and be convicted that I needed to be different. This was not a comfortable thing to do. Yet I knew pursuing God brought blessings, and I knew this through experience. I wanted more of those blessings. I realized I needed to continue growing to keep getting more of those blessings. 
I needed to investigate further why I do what I do. I needed to dig into the question of why I don't do what the Bible says to do. Then I needed to bring into my consciousness a solution, a goal, an idea of how to behave more like the Bible wants me to. So I needed to continue with this idea. I needed to respond with the idea that maybe how I understand God, life, people, and myself could be wrong. Maybe there's something I don't know. This is the process of truly becoming a student or disciple. I needed to become teachable. I needed to listen, to learn. Read Matthew 23 for an example of Jesus speaking hard truth. There are many examples of this in the Bible. Remember, truth is being in accord. John 15 involves Jesus describing abiding in God. It is so crucial to uncover what it is within ourselves that we are abiding in. What is it that we are being in accord with? And how can we shift that to gradually be closer with God? Here are some questions to think about or discuss with the group. What truth are we following and obeying? What principles do we model and demonstrate privately? How would those close to us describe our character? What are we doing to grow in God's character today? Discerning truth is a skill. To learn how to make corrections and improve perceptions about truth, I needed to sharpen my discernment and investigation skills. I am baffled why many churches do not offer free classes on improving discernment of information. I needed it, and I believe everyone can benefit from it. That's why I'm teaching it freely. I believe God wants us to improve our critical thinking and discernment. To live by God's truth is to increase awareness of when we don't and try to make gradual adjustment toward improvement. If we don't change, we don't improve. That's just a fact. That's the truth. So we need to increase our time and effort looking for things to change for improvement and take new action. Before we can take new action, we need to first understand what it is we're to do. So we need to spend some time thinking about what kind of action we're going to take. Like before going to a job interview, we need to practice within our minds what we're going to do. So to proceed in God's character... We need to think about it to understand how to do it. Humble and sincere prayers for these things can really help. We can pray for strength and guidance. As we practice discernment and new action, we can sharpen our senses. We are going to discuss how biblical instructions and spiritual sensations work together. Since God is invisible and intangible, we will need to use more senses than simple observations. We can become trained at recognizing certain patterns of God's character. And to recognize these patterns, we will need much experience with that character. The Bible is full of patterns of trusting God. We can read how people trusted God and what they went through to get there. Remember that nonverbal communication is 90% of the message, by some estimates. That means 90% of the message is to be discerned and assumed. There's a term that I learned in college. It's called the meta-message. It's the message behind the message. This is the kind of message that Jesus used in parables. 
we need to develop this kind of discernment about this kind of message. If we can speak truthfully and sincerely together, sharing what our guts, what our spirit, and what our inward authority is honestly telling us, we can come up with new ideas about what the message is. I have discovered that when I do this with others, we all come up with a new message that is spiritually aligned and that we usually all agree with. And to me, that's being unified in the spirit and having one mind. Sometimes in therapy, there's a tool that is used called a reality check. We invite feedback from other people to check our viewpoints and perceptions and thoughts. If our thoughts go unchecked, we might follow something that's not true. When I was a teenager, I fell in love. It was a wonderful and amazing feeling. My devotion was solid. Then it ended, and I felt miserable. I vowed not to do it again. I didn't know the girl or who she was, so the fact is, I didn't actually love her. I loved the idea of who she was in my mind. I loved the way I felt around her. That is the love of pleasure. This was more infatuation than it was love. But in my mind, it was love. That was my reality. That was the truth for me. And when I felt miserable afterwards, I blamed her for it. And love. So the concept and idea of love, I misunderstood. But I didn't know that. I believed that's what love was, that feeling that I had. And whenever we teach about love, but don't go into details like 1 Corinthians 13 to really dig in what exactly it is, we can all come up with our own misunderstanding or misperception of what love is. So when someone teaches about love, and I go to that idea that I had about love, it's not going to be very comforting, and it's going to be incorrect. So I'm going to tie in whatever teaching someone gives about love incorrectly. This can be the same thing teaching about God or grace. We're all going to have our own ideas of what that is. Unless the teacher ties in some more specific definitions that fits with the Bible. It can't be too difficult to say God is love and then go to 1 Corinthians 13 and say this is God. This is why we need testing, collaboration, and evaluation. We need to confirm with each other that our understanding is correct. We can love God like this too. When we are happy, God is great. And when life sucks, God is absent or being mean to us. We might even think we did something wrong and God is punishing us. Perhaps we have the wrong idea on life. Perhaps we have the wrong idea on God. Life as I know it has ups and downs. God as I know God does not change. Every day something great happens to one person and something terrible happens to another. Is one blessed and the other cursed? The point here is to think carefully how our views of God can change depending upon how we feel or where we are. Since God really doesn't change, but our views change, we ought to think what's going on there. Here are some questions to think about and discuss with each other. Does our view of God change when we are at church? Is it different depending upon what happens to us in our life or to those around us? Do we view God as distant or close 
in different situations? When things change, does God change or is it us? We will need to examine reason, relationships, and feelings, seeing how they work together. We can use our spiritual experiences that we perceive, which are opinions, and compare them with biblical writings for validity. Then we can share experiences we have found validated in the Bible with others to compare with their experiences. I read the Bible, do what it says, examine the results, and share with others to see if it fits with them too. If it fits with my experience, the Bible, and others' experience, it may be truth. There's still a lot more I do than this. I see how many times it is described in the Bible and how many other people relate to the experience. Tests that are repeated over and over and prove the same result helps to prove something true. Please learn how interpretations and assumptions can easily draw wrong conclusions about facts. Ultimately, each of us will be the judge of truth for ourselves. Our truth will be dependent upon conclusions we draw from our own senses. It's best to check our conclusions with others who will honestly challenge us. This means we need to be around other people who think differently. If we're only around people who think exactly the same way we do, how can they help us grow or see things we do not see? To think outside of the box, we need to get outside of the box. Sometimes that means we need to get around people who think differently. It's important to remember that God is not partial. Leviticus 19.15 Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. 1 Timothy 5.21 I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. These are instructions. So we ought to think about ourselves. How are we partial? Because we all are. And in what ways does that limit our seeing truth outside of our own understanding? I think it's important to share a biblical term that can provide some questions about this, and that is the word favor. So one way favor is described, the word of the Bible, BibleStudyTools.com defines favor as close association with grace and and mercy. Biblehub.com has the Hebrew definition, ties favor and grace together, meaning the same thing. And the Greek definition is defined as kindness. So at least what I'm getting out of this, the word favor in the Bible does not mean favoritism, does not mean preference. It means kindness and mercy. So God is kind and merciful. No surprise there, right? God seems to show no partiality in judging those who seek out God's good and those who follow evil. The consequences of each are described throughout the Bible. God gives to those who follow God's principles and character. Favor or grace or kindness comes to those who seek to grow in God's love, mercy, peace, compassion, forgiveness, truth, and justice. For a list of consequences, please read Deuteronomy 28. So I think it's very important to validate thoughts, ideas, 
beliefs, and assumptions. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Test all things. Each of us in this process will need to be humble and truthful, freely sharing our own personal views about pressures of conformity, herd mentality, or groupthink. Please learn about these influences and how to protect against them. Each group can be informed about these pressures so they can identify them as they occur. Robert's Rules of Order uses a principle of minority opinion report to ensure opposing views are heard. If you have questions about this, contact John15 at inwardauthority.com or anything really, or do some research to resolve them. We ought to resolve our questions, find solutions, and be clear about our faith. To find God's truth, we will need to explore God's goodness. And the way to do that is to increase our love with God. Since God is love, peace, mercy, forgiveness, justice, truth, and compassion, we will need to go and explore these traits and learn from them. To explore God's character, we will need to adjust our viewfinders, thoughts, attitudes, and actions to better participate in it. When I began, I had no idea there was such a view. I did not know about God's character. I described this journey in other podcasts. I recall a time in the beginning in a 12-step program, and another member asked me how I was doing. I was angry, but I asked him, do you really want to know? He said, yes. So I dumped on him how I was feeling. Then he said, thank you for being honest. He appreciated my honesty. My honesty was a blessing. This process was very different, and I was curious to learn more. In a world where being fake can be so common, we can be surprised when others get real. It can be refreshing to those seeking truth and disgusting to those seeking pleasantries. Have you ever heard about the elephant in the room? Wikipedia defines it this way. An important or enormous topic, question, or controversial issue that is obvious or that everyone knows about but no one mentions or wants to discuss because it makes at least some of them uncomfortable. Will we sacrifice our personal comforts to reveal the elephant in the room? Will we speak the truth or will we hide it? This hiding the elephant in the room, the fear of conflict, this avoidance of discomfort is a problem. No one resolves anything through avoidance. Jesus didn't avoid, the disciples didn't avoid, they spoke the truth and were very direct. If we are to grow in truth, we need to speak uncomfortable truth. Of course, we need to do it gently with love, patience, but it needs still to be done. And this isn't something that needs to be done by just one man in a church or just the staff of the church. It needs to be done by regular congregants. It needs to be an expectation. It needs to be modeled first by the staff, realistically, authentically, sincerely. And then it also needs to be encouraged for regular people to do it and expected for regular people to do it. The real truth is that it's not going to be dependent upon other people. It's going to be dependent upon ourselves. If we want to be in the truth, then we need to speak it. We need to get uncomfortable looking at the truth. I'm saying this with urgency because it is. It's very real and it saves souls, literally. At the end of the day, the truth is our spiritual well-being is not contingent upon how many people we pleased or made happy. 
but instead, how right did we live with God? How well did we focus on being in line with God's character, principles, ways, righteousness, grace, and goodness? Did we serve God well today? Because the truth is, sometimes when we serve God really well, people are not happy. And in fact, we might also be a little disturbed. We might be confused. But if we have faith and we believe and trust God, God will be there. God will be our comfort if we rely on Him for comfort. God will be our strength if we rely on Him for strength. John 4.24 God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. When I began this journey, it was one day at a time. I mean, one minute at a time. All I had to do was just look at myself in the moment and get with God. And honestly, sincerely, wholeheartedly be with God in my mind and heart and soul. And that's really what the great commandment is, is just to... Each moment, each day, keep that our focus, keep that our priority, and just do it. Just do it right now. We can humble ourselves, hit our knees, and pray. We can slow down. We can discern. We can accept hard truth. We can keep God with us and avoid the compartmentalization. We can, one moment at a time, seek to be in accord with God's goodness. Thank you for listening and enduring this message. May God bless you with truth that impacts, convicts, and changes you.